0: So what are we doing today, Ben? What are we talking about?
1: I am good. Uh, yeah, welcome to Big Fat Five, uh, a podcast financially <laughs> supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. <laughs> and uh, I will answer your question, just let me do my damn intro.
0: I like that I said, what are we doing? And you said, I'm doing good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's what we're doing. We're doing me yeah, we being doing well. It. All right. Um, anyway, so I have Gunnar Olsen on the show, although you're not really a guest, you're my co-host today. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, sick. You're welcome. But uh, what we are doing today is talking about Phil Selway. A lot of you in our discussions are just talking drums. And a lot of times it's, uh, you know, about a particular person or a particular performance. And so I think you sent me a a video of, was it Radiohead in the basement for In Rainbows?
0: Yes, I think it's from the basement.
1: Yeah, from the basement.
0: Just, you know, I mean, if we're going to talk about stuff, we got to get it right because that's when the trolls come out
1: exactly exactly well stop interrupting me um (laughs) anyway so uh yeah so that's kind of what we decided to go down a rabbit hole of like let's just stop talking over text and and dm and and let's just talk about it on the pod
0: yeah save it for the pod is what i said um yes this is great stuff no more no more talking till we get on that pod (laughs) Uh, (laughs) all right do you want to go first because i actually don't well we because it's
1: called it's called big fat five so i chose five you chose five i actually chose more than five in case our uh, five overlap but yeah i
0: chose seven i will choose to talk about five unless we have to go into overtime
1: um so yes phil selway the drummer uh the only drummer for radiohead i i kind of take that back because they've they have like a second drummer live now right
0: well, I don't know what... Who knows what's happening now? Um, okay. That's, that could go... That means a lot these days. Um, I know Clive... Yeah, Clive deemer has been playing with them... I mean, I don't know officially, but I, at least the last two record cycles, I think live, he's been playing with them. I don't think he records with them. Mm-hmm. But he, I know he's one of the two drummers who plays with Portishead... One of my favorite bands, and the funny thing about him and Phil playing together is they both have. I, I don't. I don't know if it's a sh- if if they both shave their heads, they're both bald. I'm not going to make any assumptions on that. They both currently have. They look very. <laughs> they both have no hair, and they play kind of matching kits, and it's it it's fun to it's fun to watch. It kind of looks like uh, Phil in a in a clone. Um, it's
1: funny too cuz from the basement when they were doing I think it was King of Limbs yeah. the first the first like 5 minutes they're only showing they're not showing Phil. Right. Phil's playing but like the camera angle is only this other drummer and I was like that looks like Phil it's not Phil. Yeah. And it kind of it was it was a mind trip for a second.
0: You know, I got to say I I watched those two from the basement videos. If you don't know what we're talking about um when the album In Rainbows came out, I think 2007, they did a live performance of the whole record and some other songs on a show called From the Basement, which was, I think, Nigel Godrich's show. Yep. And he, he's been their kind of main producer collaborator for I think since the second, re- I think since The Benz, he's been working with them.
1: I thought, it was on, uh, I thought he began on OK Computer, but I could be wrong.
0: I feel like he was working on the Benz and then OK Computer, he got the bump up.
1: OK. Maybe. There are definitely some songs on the Benz that I could be like, OK, that sounds like a Nigel direction and some are not.
0: But I think he had a show briefly, or maybe it's still ongoing, where it's it, he gets people to come into, I'm assuming, his studio and they play albums or songs and he records it and... I, I I feel like I was a little late to the Radiohead game. I I bought the first record when it came out because I liked creep. It was I was in eighth grade. And then I did not like the record. I just I was just not a fan of the of the rest of Pablo Honey. And it wasn't until two thousand I was on tour, I think, in two thousand three in Switzerland, and for some reason I decided I wanted to give Radiohead another chance. And I bought this live, it was a live, it was a CD. I think it's called I Might Be Wrong. It's a live CD that came out right after Amnesiac, and it's mostly Mm -hmm. those songs. But there's also a few older songs, but like everything in its right place. Um, It was definitely like the version of Radiohead that's a little more experimental, electronic, and that's what I was like, oh, this is some, and that was also kind of where I was going as a um, fan of music. So yeah. that version of the band made more sense to me. But I remember thinking, oh, I like these beats. I I didn't really love, I remember thinking I don't really like the drummer that much. And that was probably more where I was just at mentally of what I liked in the drums. Mm-hmm. And when, in. But I was still a fan of the band, I was, and I got really into their next few records, Hail to the Thief and In Rainbows, and I saw them a few times. I saw them at Coachella in 2004. They were playing oh, yeah. a bunch of Hail to the Thief stuff. I saw them in 2000. I saw them a bunch in like a four-year period, um, primarily around In Rainbows, and I really got into that record. And I remember when this video that we keep talking about from The Basement came out. I I knew I really liked the drums and production on the, all the songs, but I know a lot of it a lot of it's kind of cut up and super edited and I kind of attributed that more to Johnny Greenwood and Tom York and I was like, "Oh, these guys take the drums and make them into something really cool." And that's what I liked about it, not really giving Phil too much credit. And when I saw the the live performance of From the Basement, I was like, "Oh, like it it just totally made me a super fan. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's how he... Just the way he plays these beats that on the record are so manipulated and so edited and cut up, but it still sounds so much like him. So I was like, oh, okay. As much as they might be editing and choosing what they want to use of his, it's still they're still capturing his essence. And I was wrong to not give him more credit, if that makes sense. So I'm, bas- I'm basically- You, you admi- were very wrong. I'm basically admitting that I, I just was like, oh yeah, he's like a fine drummer, and then they like make it really cool. And mm-hmm. the way he plays live, I, it, it's it's like that Ringo thing where Ringo, every, you know people had all these feelings about Ringo forever, and now everyone loves him. But at the time, people were pretty hard on him, just like, oh, is he even the best drummer in the Beatles, or blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's that similar thing where if it's if it wasn't him playing these things, it wouldn't sound the way it sounds, right? <laughs> Wrong. No, of course you're right. <laughs> the end.
1: Sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, were you talking? <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Um, we'll start recording. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. You kept you kept bringing up in rainbows. That is the one that. I'm, I, I love melody. I mean, genre just kind of gets in the way for me. Something has to be catchy. And a lot of Kid A, Amnesiac, um, Hail to the Thief, because that was kind of my upbringing when I was really getting into music and kind of figuring out what I liked. It was just too out there for me. And not anymore, but getting into it, I was, it was just hard. And In Rainbows, when that one came out, it felt like, Tom was kind of oh the whole band was kind of going okay let's respect the melody a little more respect maybe a little more approachable form and I would say like don't like three quarters of the of, of in rainbow start with drums in some way like organic drums it's a very organic record
0: I I don't know the exact numbers but yeah I mean for sure it it definitely felt like they went down this rabbit hole of we're gonna keep kind of like they were just being a band for themselves, right? It feels like mm-hmm. everything they were doing it was this is what we want to be doing, this is our artistic expression, and I think that's that's what their fans like about them, and I think they're a great kind of um role, role model for bands in the sense where if you keep kind if you keep changing your sound, but that's kind of part of your essence um People will never be like people can never be like, "Oh, they don't sound like Radiohead anymore because they they keep changing, but the mm-hmm. evolution always has this kind of connection to the last part, and I feel like that record I feel like in Rainbows was kind of the record where there's all the fun electronic blippy blop stuff, but there's also really great songs with guitars, and when you watch from the basement and you see how everyone's choosing when to play their there's three at a lot of points there's three guitars playing which is a, which is kind of a a lot to deal with mentally just like when you're listening yeah. to music to like be able to figure out like what three guitars it's it can be very easily too much information and when you watch them play that record live, everyone has these very specific lanes and textures and so when you and I were texting the other night I was like, oh man, I haven't watched this in probably ten years and I really I love the first from the basement and then they did it again for Kings King of Limbs and I don't like that one that much because like you said, the what they're cho what they're choosing to show you In terms of like who's playing what is just kind of it feels a little more removed from the music where from the basement the first version in rainbows i feel like they're constantly showing you this is what's happening in the song and this person's playing it and kind of made you appreciate it more like oh there's this really cool really simple bass line that colin's playing and they show that and the second one and this is more for the, um, the video editor of that. And I'm sure they're listening to this. And, you know, I, I know they spent a lot of time on it, but it's just not as good. I hope
1: they're fired now because of this and you can have that on your hands. No, that's great. It's, um, all, it's all good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, cheers, by the way, man. We didn't, we didn't cheers first.
0: Cheers. Um, was that a 96?
1: I think it's probably the cheapest Tuesday wine I have. But, oh, uh Tuesday wine. You're drinking whiskey, I drink wine. I like gave up music for three years in my mid-twenties and went to school for wine, so that's what I drink. I didn't Um, know that. That's cool. Yeah, I just got burnt out. And uh, yeah, I went to school for wine, worked as like a winemaker, like an assistant winemaker for two years. And then actually Mike Herrera from MXPX, a mutual friend, introduced us, and then I was working on his solo record that kind of never came out and by kind of i mean it never did um, for about a year and a half and yeah. so i i quit school to work with mike carrera because he was a hero of mine yeah for sure. and then moved down to la so that's a very summed up version of my history but all right so why don't you just start with number one and then we'll kind of go back and forth
0: all right the first song i'm going to go with um the live recording that i was mentioning it's called i might be wrong Mm -hmm. And it's the live version of Morning Bell by Radiohead (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who's on drums (laughs) I think (laughs) I think it's in I don't know it's in a weird time signature. I always think it's five I haven't actually counted it in a long time. I'm gonna assume it's five. Maybe it's not Um, They like five they do like five five is fun uh, I don't. I'm not a fan of quintuplets, but I do like the f- time signature of five. There's this one very specific part because he's going and then one part, I know this is really interesting. He goes he kind of repeats the little one two three snare fill over the bar line, and I and I it's one of those things where I can't tell if he did that on the recording or if they chopped it up, but it just. It it really feels it has that like DJ shadow, like super I don't know, it's just his ability to sound like a loop that's been cut up is really cool. And and this is an example of like the the funny part is I heard this before I heard the re- the album recording. Mm. And so i didn't know enough about the band to know like oh is this like is this a loop live is this da da da? and yeah he just sa- he sounds like he sounds like a loop which in a really cool way where there's like th- there's that ebb and flow of the time it pushes and pulls it's not perfect but it's so it's so consistent in its sound um it's just really impressive to me oh and i want to show you this in honor of talking about Phil.
1: Yes, I was going to bring that up, actually. Tell people what you're holding up.
0: I'm holding up a picture. I'm holding up a break. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Chris. Uh, I'm holding <laughs> up a Zildjian breakbeat ride. Uh, it's an 18-inch ride, and it's the ride that he definitely used, I want to say, for the kind of okay computer to in rainbows era maybe before maybe since but definitely for three or four records and it's just a super dry small ride that i think i think zach danziger Mm. was kind of part of the creation of the the, there was like the remix line and the zildjian uh series is that i don't know (laughs) yeah great yeah, sure, <laughs> but it's a really it's a really dead dry ride that I think is it's it's supposed to have a very electronic short decay almost uh if you can imagine like drum and bass amen break like he used that ride symbol for years, and I remember trying to figure out what it was for so long, and it wasn't until way later that i ended up getting i my friend sam had one and he sold it and i bought it from him
1: so i always grew up thinking bigger symbols were better and my two drummers that i pull from a lot are phil selway and steve shelley from sonic youth and they both have ridiculously small symbols like they've never really been huge guys and uh Cause you know, it's a lot of people say, "Oh, the small ones just sound like splashes live." It's like, well, they they sit in the mix well, so I don't really care what they sound like, but they sound cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Phil definitely used some splashes early on, but I I mean, it was '93. You have to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was a law. There was a law passed.
1: Um, Well, that just before we go off from that symbol, I do want to say that I remember when you showed me. A video of you playing a song that I won't say it because maybe you'll that'll be one of your options you you choose but um you Were hitting it and at at, at, at first hearing of it. You're like that kind of sounds like shit and then you're like, but it sounds so cool <laughs> yeah. and That's 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 kind of how I would sum up, sum up that symbol. It's like a shitty dead symbol. That is so perfect at the same time.
0: Yeah um, I didn't pick that song because that's a Tom York song but there, 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 is, there are some videos on my Instagram page where I'm playing along to the Tom York record Eraser using this ride as a crash. And yeah, it does kind of sound, it's a jarring sound in the sense where you hit it and then it just kind of, the sound stops. Mm-hmm. But that I feel like that works really well in kind of this hybrid electronic music where maybe you want to really compress the drums and make them sound slightly non-organic. And it's great for that because the, you hit it and the sound, it's like a gate. It sounds like they created a symbol that has a built-in gate, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Hey y'all,
1: I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum. And it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through. The episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at BigFatSneradrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show. But go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour. And I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right, so I'm going to say this is one of my favorite songs of all time, um, and it's All I Need, which is, if I could choose everything, it's mine would all be off In Rainbows, but it's All I Need, off In Rainbows, and that drum sound is, the whole record is just super tight. You yep. can tell he's using small cymbals, small drums, super close mic Tiny um, sticks. And the snare is like really highly tuned, but it's also very dead we'll we'll drop on the audio right now all i need by radiohead off in rainbows So that beat the first half of the beat, boot boot, tat boot, so simple. But when he adds and a kind of a through line with my choices, by the way, are I don't get off on technicalities or technical stuff, I get off on choices. That's what as a as a middle aged man, that's what really does it for me. And just that boot boot tat boot boot tat. It's kind of in that bastardized not swung. I think I mean it's on the uh of three if we're gonna get technical, but yeah. It's not swung, it's not right on the, on the like straight 16th note, and it just adds this weird disorientation to the groove. Um, and so I love that. And then also the hi-hat pattern, that it's, it's just eighth notes, and then I believe it's in the second verse, there's two times where he just randomly just stops doing the hi-hat, randomly. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure if it was a decision, or if he just was like, I'll do it now, but I, I pull from that all the time.
0: It's very like hi- younger. Go ahead. No, it's very hip hop. Right. Like it's it's mm-hmm. um, like that it's a hip hop beat. And, I've, and I and re- I I remember like when I got into like Timberland and all that. like there's like all those big hits of his have that like there's all it's all about like the moments where there's no there, there's the no drums. There's no bass. And I feel like this is kind of there like they wanted to make like a hip hop beat. And again, like when when you hear that recording, it's it it's hard. It it almost sounds like a sample, like they sampled it for something. Mm-hmm. And then you see like in from the basement or see them live, and it's just that's what he sounds like. He it's um he's definitely a a very behind the beat player. So like that whole song has this feeling of like is he gonna make it to the one right? Sure. And. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, were those were those pauses you're talking about like edited? Did he play them? I love that song at the end because it's just him like, re- like riding a crash cymbal, which I feel like normally in a mix would like you would try to like bring it down, and it's just like it's kind of almost the hook of that part where it's just so loud, and then you watch him play it, and he's just he's it, it's just he's tapping it. But you know, there, it's it's all about the compression. It's all about how he is self-mixed so it feels it feels loud but it's probably we could probably talk over it (laughs) like it he's i'm my guess is he's not hitting the drums that hard which we just play
1: the song in the background which i
0: think is is you know as i've i used to pride myself on how hard i could hit the drums especially live i wanted to like impress people like look at that idiot hitting the drums way too hard and then as i've gone more into recording and stuff you realize it's people who play like Phil that record so well because they're not hitting the drums any harder than they need to be hit they're just hitting them just right and I really if if people are still listening to this I really and they haven't seen from the basement the version on that is great and it's it it shows him playing it all and yeah it's great
1: yeah, speaking of not hitting hard, I think, because I kind of, I do it to mask my technical, um, my failures and some of my technicalities. Like, oh, I overcompensate with just looking cool when I play. And people like Phil, that he's never set himself up, like, his drum set-wise. And he ne- he doesn't try to look cool. And the older I get, someone that just never tries to look cool is the coolest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, and Phil is that. So yeah. that is my choice for number one Um, but yeah that song real quick before we move on is a good example of kind of the way they do in rainbows which is a lot of the songs are in these these like two parts and that song is definitely in the tight hi-hat and then it just opens up randomly with a big like you know flam on the floor and then just
0: cruises till the end how about we go to there there from hail to the thief I mean it's it's that's like it's almost like the hook of the song. Yeah. Like they've been slowly building and then Bob it up, bob it up. And then we start and then we like go back to zero and start over again. This song is cool because there's a lot of drum overdubs and at least when I've seen them play it, I think both guitarists Johnny and Ed are playing like rims and they have these Ox, bef- before like having an extra floor tom or drums on stage was really uncool. These guys made it cool, and then like I feel like people yeah. bastardized the floor tom in the front of the stage for the singer. Um, and my apologies if any of you played in a band like this, but um, these guys did it first, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's just great. Like it's it's all about the texture um a lot of a lot of rims um and it's just it's a very unassuming drum part it's just i, I don't even i couldn't even tell you what he's playing but he's playing something I, i'm assuming on a floor tom a cross stick and then there's these big moments of a big snare fill and then the song resets and at some point he rocks it out a little bit more and i just i don't know there's something about that fill um oh <laughs> that uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay it, i think uh, eric already made the phil collins joke earlier no i think it was D- daru jones so i do like i mean those toms are so overtony and so like they have a note yeah there's there's not many times you can really tell people like sometimes it matters if you tune the drums to the song and that one really does because if that one was open and <laughs> they didn't do a good job that that would have been probably the most annoying drum beat to play in the world
0: Yeah, that's a great point because I feel like we're all in this. We're currently in this world of very dead drums. It's it's like a Fleetwood Mac drum sound revival, at least of the snare.
1: Remember remember what podcast you're on?
0: (laughs) No, it's great. Everyone loves it, (laughs) and and the reason everyone loves it is because it's it's a sound that is obtainable. But to make Mm -hmm. a drum set be live and have overtones and ring and work that kind of what where we started with this conversation where i had been recording myself playing the drums all day and feeling bad about myself let's talk about that (laughs) it's the you know it's it's easier for me to throw a big fast snare drum or some tape or whatever on a drum and and give it more character and that's great but there's there is a true art in being able to record a wide open drum kit and have that sound. And, you know, that my favorite part about Radiohead is it's, you can't just slap one guy on the back, right? It's it like, I love Van Halen because I love Eddie Van Halen. I love Alex Van Halen. David Lee Roth is kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> Michael Anthony, great vocals, great bass playing, but, If you're a fan of van halen it's really about eddie van halen a lot of the time for me just it's just he's so otherworldly but with radiohead it's it's a it's a real sum of everybody's parts where like there's some song like their bass player colin is maybe in my opinion the most underrated bass player of a generation like he his choices his feel um and like I said, I, I have no idea what goes into making their songs, but I know a lot of it has to do with Nigel's production and, and, Ed, uh, uh, Tom York and, um, Johnny Greenwood and their influence of like editing stuff. But, um, yeah, that, that's a great song. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with
1: that. But. Thanks for being here for the, uh, Van Halen show. Yeah. Um, we're talking no, about the, H- our this top song,
0: Panama. That's the next song. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> just all the times Phil covered Panama on his Instagram that he's so active on. Um, so I well, this isn't one of my choices, but uh, Weird Fishes, uh, great drum beat and the bass part on that you were talking about, Colin is amazing. Yep. So we can always go back to that song, but um, I want to go to uh, let's go to Dollar and Cents, because I think that Ooh. that's a good kind of bridge from what you just uh, talked about. Because that one, um, well, let's just drop it in dollar and cents off Amnesiac. I am a sucker and i will always be a sucker for just like eighth note rides on top of kind of because it has this like white noise that kind of just just kind of fills everything in and you can kind of do anything underneath that and for maybe it's because i'm not really good with latin music but it automatically sounds latin to me if you have like this little soft ride symbol going yeah and he, he he builds on that with i'm not sure if it's bongos or if it's an actual his left hands just kind of doing stuff on the
0: toms you said you just looked at a live version so maybe that
1: is what he's doing.
0: The live version sounds like he's playing ride and going between the toms. And mm-hmm. I feel and my first thought was it sounded like it sounds like the version. It sounds like they're putting a ton of reverb on it sounds like he's doing cross stick Got to do it, do it, go get it, go 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 between like high and low tom but there's mm-hmm. a ton of reverb on cross stick which is on the one which almost sounds like a, a wood block yeah which maybe it is but who knows
1: kids i always thought that was like an overdub because it is so reverby that because he 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 does bring up and this is kind of what i want to talk about in the chorus i guess you would, you would call it the 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 b section when tom does switch it up he he brings in the snare similar to that wood to that wood wood block sound and um, that's not as reverb-y. so I always thought that was kind right. of an overdub. Maybe it was Colin or, or them doing something on top of it. Um, but what I like about that, speaking of the snare, so the snare, and similar to your last song, he just does it during the chorus. But going back into the the A section, he kind of keeps his he his snare goes over into beats like two and three, and then he goes back to the cross stick. So it, it 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 makes me think that he that they were doing it live or it was a live take and he was like oh shit we're back in the in the yeah, yeah, yeah. smaller section now, and again it's a through line throughout all my choices that sometimes I'm like, it's so through composed and then sometimes it feels that it was just a jam yeah and then they either left it or cut it up from there, but I love that because yeah. it's like oh that doesn't make sense but it's it's Radiohead so it does right.
0: Yeah, the, the it's you. It would be interesting to know was that a mess up, and then when they agreed on that being the version, do they then learn what they? You know, I, I, that's the question I have. Is he is he going back and learning what they edited of his drums, or was mm-hmm. that the original idea? And yeah. we'll never know. But, uh, <laughs> well,
1: Phil's on the show next week, so we'll uh, we'll ask him. That would be so cool. <laughs> I I have reached out. So Phil, if you are listening to this, come on, dude.
0: Let us know. We want to know. So we just want to um, know.
1: And so yeah, just to finish that thought on this song, the restraint on that song because there's a lot of room. And if if again, I'm, I'm I keep summing up Phil, but he is. A master of restraint, um, he knows how to let. Because there's uh, there's four other people in the band that are yeah. freaking amazing. Let there's, them do their thing. Yeah, there's no e- um, there's
0: no ego with his playing, and mm-hmm. um, you know I feel like sometimes that can come across as a lack of confidence. Maybe I don't know. Like it's but everything he's playing, there's a choice. It's thought out. It's just very musical, and. I feel like if if drums drummers need anything more right now in 2020 other than what's going on in the world is other than a job is <laughs> other than a job um, it's just like remembering that we're playing music we the the reason we well I don't know. the reason I got into the drums was because I loved music and my 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 dad's a musician my mom loved music and so it was always playing in the house but it's 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 the music it's the best drummers are the best musicians and um i still i i i go back to my thinking not so much of phil and realizing that was on me that I was expecting something out of him that was on me and his 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 musicality is really what won me over.
1: Hey guys, we'll be right back with the show, but I wanted to talk real quick about Waves Audio. I use an endless amount of their plugins, including the Vocal Writer for this podcast. And for my drumming, I use the SSL channel, Abbey Road Saturator, CLA Drums for that easy, quick, polished sound, and, and many, many more. We're an affiliate member, and if this show brings you any sort of value, please kick the please kick, (laughs) please click the link in the show notes to make your next purchase. It supports me directly and helps keep the show going. So, all right, now back to the top five ways to make soup. And to to piggyback off that, I do wanna say it was, for the musical stuff, I've stopped just practicing to a metronome and working on specific things because lately I've realized it, it had been so long since I started a song and then just like, Practiced like played that whole song from start to finish I'm like, okay, I've gotten through the part that I enjoy let's go to the next song and Now that I'm like playing through entire songs. It's 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 totally changed the way I play cuz I just I never told a story through My playing it was just licks and and bullshit. So um that's awesome, man Yeah, it's it's been fun.
0: I I found myself I I recorded something for a friend yesterday and um you know he's he told me that he sent me the file he told me the BPM and it was pretty loose like it was not when I was playing with the click and his recording it was loose it was not feeling great and I didn't really know what to do and i I, I was like do I play <laughs> do I play the click do I play to the music and yeah I ended up giving him versions of both but there was a few takes where I just turned the click off and played with his playing and I, I don't do that so often right we're living in a slightly more quantized world where if someone sends you a track it's it's usually pretty gridded or um but there was some stuff that was way off the grid but when I turned off the click and I just played with his piano part it ended up feeling really good And it's that like reminder that like we are human. We're not supposed to sound quantized. And if you go back and listen to any of your favorite bands with, I feel like all of us are, I feel like everyone um, who's listening to this, but I feel like drummers as a whole, our ears are getting better because the level of talent right now, just like on Instagram, YouTube is so high, right? Like, these drummers are playing these acrobatic athletic level, like super, super level of drumming, right? And it's so precise, and it's it's sometimes it bums me out because I'm a human, and I don't always sound like that. But if you go yeah. back and listen to your favorite records, they're 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 not perfect. And I think our ears maybe notice that more now, um, but that's where that's the best part of a record is that moment of when they leave in that moment that's not perfect, right? One hundred percent. And I feel like there's something about Phil's playing that's so genuine, and, and it just all it's just so musical. I want to add to our list the song Pyramid Song. If you go to Pyramid Song, it's on. It's on Amnesiac, right?
1: Yeah, it's the second song.
0: Go to 159, and that's kind of where the drums come in. And there's just this mm-hmm. moment he's kind of doing these drags from the snare to the ride, and then his fit. It's just great. It's just. It feels so great. <laughs>
1: That's sick, that's some jazz chops there. He sounds really, really good.
0: What I like about the song is like, can you imagine being in a band and someone brings in that piano part like they're just playing that? Like, cool, so what are you gonna play? It's just like, where do you go with that? And <laughs> yeah, like, I don't just all the setups he does on the kit. It's a very, it sounds like he's playing a jazz kit, like super high toms, mm-hmm. like it sounds it has that kind of portis head almost like sampled from old jazz recording sound and the ride is just so lush. All the like snare, it's super compressed, but it's so, it's so behind the music. It's never, it's never heavy. It's never saying I'm the drummer. It's just, it's just totally just being back, you know, like Serge Gainsborg. Like it just, it's that thing, that really cool, as a drummer, it's not super exciting, but like when you get to the next level of your appreciation of drums, it becomes like the coolest thing for me. I would like to consider
1: myself in that—not maybe playing-wise, but appreciation-wise—I'm in that second spot right now. Because um, to go back what you were saying earlier, the like the crazy drummers that are—I mean, respectfully, I might get myself in trouble with this, but I mean, I run the Big Fat Snare Drum Instagram, so I am inundated with those guys all day all i see is just I've, I've seen every choppy video you could see on instagram during the day we're tagged in it or for some reason it shows up on, on my feed as a personal drummer that really does nothing for me these days so i don't feel like the it doesn't make me sad because i don't want to do that
0: yeah.
1: that stuff both you and me are talking about we're not talking about anything technical that phil's doing but that yeah that kind of stuff gets me off like because you can think, oh, he's just doing a little rough on the on the ride cymbal. Okay, well, you put your phone on the other side of the room, record yourself doing it. Can you make it sound that good? Yeah. Maybe. I hope you can, but I don't <laughs> think I could. <laughs> you know? yeah. You'd be surprised how, how simple parts can be very hard to actually execute in a timeless way that sell a lot of records.
0: Right. You know? Yeah, it's about... I think his whole thing is very, it's very responsive. It's it's responding to the music. It's listening. It's, it's not, um, there's not like, I kind of go back to my statement. It's There's not a lot of ego in it. It's, it's, um, I'm also not a fan of the like serve the song, man, but it's doing that. It's why not? Well, because I think there's time I, there, like some of my favorite musical moments, <laughs> Uh,
1: we're I am so blind. I, <laughs>
0: I really hope you share this. <laughs> yeah, it, this it just is looks gonna be like, like the... it's like, so my conversation <laughs> with Jesus today about, uh, in rainbows, there's definitely moments where members of a band aren't serving the song and that's what is awesome about a song. I don't know. Who are we to say what's right or not? Um, I only bring this up because I think there's no set rules, mm-hmm. and um, it's all about the drummer is what I'm really trying to say.
1: Well, when, they, when there is no rules, but then it's also you look at the style of drumming in, let's say, Pablo Honey, the bends, even parts of OK Computer. Those aren't so much timeless drum decisions that he made, respectfully. I think because of the drums, some of those songs are very stylized. Like, that, oh, that's a definitely a 90s song. Right. But I could say that some of his choices going from, like, Kid A on are very, like, they could kind of come out any time. Uh, I don't think they have necessarily – the, those those choices are never going to get old. So I think right. that's when
0: he really found his stride. I agree. I don't <laughs> I don't have much to say. Like, yeah, you're right. You nailed it. I don't even need to be here. Uh, great talk. Um, <laughs>
1: Um, all right, so I'll go actually to mine because you you brought up a song in five. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fifteen step by in rainbow or it's off in rainbows. Yep. Which is um, I believe the second song off in rainbows. First song. It is the first song off in rainbows. <laughs> How dare obviously. you obviously. Um, so yeah, that song's in five, and that's a great example of I kinda when of think you it's a ten.
0: I, I count it as a ten. It's a 10.: I don't know, one, two, 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 like I feel like it's a long five. I feel it more in 10 than five, which I realize is kind of the same thing. I'm just kinda, <laughs> I'm kind of just busting your balls, but I feel like it's, it's a long <laughs> I, enough... I want to hear this, yeah. Well, I feel like it's more of a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, instead of one, two, three, four, five. Now they both technically work, but I feel like it's more of a 10, eight than a 5-4. See,
1: I would, and yeah, this is when people will start, stop listening, but I actually view it, when I say 5, I mean 5-8, because I go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, because right. that's how the
0: drum part loops. Um, right, but the pattern, the pattern is, oh, got, 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 oh, uh, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, nine. like, I feel like the pattern doesn't repeat until 10 beats have happened.
1: Well let's 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 plug it in and then we'll let the audience decide. I should just play high and dry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. It'd be great if every time you cut through the audio just creep. <laughs>
1: Because the real jump a boom.
0: Yeah. It's that. What's great about that song is that he's doing a five. One, to get the four. Five of one, two, get the And then the program part is one. So the program part's kind of a, maybe a ten. And his playing is a five. It sounds like I'm rating it. I would say the electronic part's it's more. It's a five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Have you have you ever seen um Aaron Spears playing this song?
1: No. Is it like too choppy? Like does he kind of like have fun with it? No, the... it's
0: it's it's fun because you can tell I think it was part of his clinics or something. You could tell he was just a fan of the song. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean he definitely like opens it up. Like Aaron's one of my favorite drummers. I think he's he's the perfect example of like being about the music, but having these otherworldly chops but they're all based in music. So it's, it's, it's like anything, it's all about the choices you make. And there's some fun videos of him playing along to this song, um, doing stuff that doesn't really make sense, but is also really fun to watch.
1: The reason why I love this song so much is because the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, I think it's in five because there's that, that very And then I'm like, I don't know, as a drummer, I don't know what I would do from there. And then when Phil comes in, I'm like, oh, that that's a cool choice. That that's how he boo boop, da boop boo da boop, There's so many ways you can take that. And I know that Phil is is a great example of someone who I'm I'm assuming that he doesn't program all the things. I'm I'm assuming Tom, who's also a drummer, will yeah. bring something in, idea, and then Phil it's not just like, oh, here's a chord progression. How do you play a drums on that? Like maybe in 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 the song you just mentioned, the pyramid song. Yeah. Sometimes I'm sure there's a drum beat and you have to kind of go all Dennis Chambers and be like, how can I kind of dance around this?
0: Yeah, Uh, I think 15 step is, and feel free to use this in, I know we were talking amongst each other. (laughs) I think what's great about the beat, like the song starts with a pretty specific beat that's programmed and then the drums come in not playing that beat, but they work with what you've already heard and mm-hmm. somehow, these two beats playing together are not overkill. And maybe that's because it's mostly just drums and vocals, a little bit of guitar, but how, like, imagine being able to figure out that Tetris of music where, like, I'm going to make this really specific two-bar phrase, and then the drummer is going to play a one-bar phrase at the same time. It's not too much, right? And again that was another song when I saw From the Basement and saw them playing it live and it's it's a lot as a drummer who plays a a lot with electronics live in bands that I play with Mm -hmm. it is a struggle to like figure out we're human so we're gonna flam against certain things so maybe like when I play with Big Data like do we keep the kicks out of the the track so like And like when Radiohead does it, they just go all in. It's like, here's the beat, here's the drums, and they're dancing together, they're flaming at times, but it's, it's, it takes, it says a lot about Phil's drumming that they just leave in the beat and he plays over it, like live versions of Idiotech, live versions of Mixomatosis, like big electronic songs where they have the beat super loud and he's just as loud and they work together and they're not perfect and I feel like they're embracing the idea that it's like man versus machine and that's, I just love that so much.
1: I 100% agree and I kind of touched on this in the last episode. When you hear an entire like half of the song with no flams, you're like, oh, he probably actually was that tight with it. Right. Because if they didn't fix the other thing, they're not going to like just fix the second half. Right. Yeah. So your mistakes make you appreciate your not mistakes ten times more.
0: Yeah. And it just it it remind it. I like to think of those moments like whenever I'm like super hard on myself and I'm playing something and it's it's not perfect. I think about my f I think about stuff like this, which is my favorite stuff, which is not mm-hmm. perfect, and the second it's not you, it rolls right off your back and you're like, That's cool, that's really cool that it's not quote unquote perfect, and it's only like what you're like hard on yourself about being per- it's just like if you can try to remind yourself like it's cool, it's okay, we're human like if you're just like in the moment if you're like trying your hardest like that's all that matters and i feel like phil's a great example of that just like it's it's all about the music it's all about the feeling of something and and that's maybe that's what's perfect maybe
1: oh that was cute <laughs> like a oh, little <laughs> background now <music>. you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I know this is such an old like trope, but it's like we're losing people that are too insecure to put out the flams and put out the stuff that's 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 not perfect. Those errors that aren't errors, they're just you. And that's, you know, not to be like all full house about it, but like that's what people love about certain people's playing is that not their inability to do certain things, but just the way they get from A to B is different than I would do it. And neither of those versions are quantized, but you
0: do it in a cool way. We what back when I was touring with big data like I would have these conversations with Alan and I was convinced that The best part of every show was some moment that got off the grid like maybe maybe the audio cut out or maybe Maybe I fell off the grid slightly and you're hearing some trap. I don't know like there was always these moments that were human because we're playing with, I mean, especially with Big Data and I mean, mo- most of the bands are playing with these days, but that band was very on tracks and this and that. But there was something about these moments where there was almost like the curtain revealed of it not being perfect. And, the, and you'd feel this surge from the audience where like, um, it wasn't like, and, and like the audience has your back. I think you always like worry, like, Oh, if I'm not perfect, they're going to hate me. And there's something about those moments that like there was, there was a show where like the last half of a song, the computer broke and we had to finish it with just whatever live instrumentation we had. And I remember like it cut out and I was really panicked. And then there was this roar from the crowd. Like they, they could tell that we were like in the moment dealing with something and like reacting to it and they got off on that and it was just like so cool like people people are okay with things not when things are too perfect when you go see a show and it's like everything about it is so perfect it's it it ends up feeling like nothing you know i think we need these moments to like realize like oh yeah they're they're human i'm human like we're here trying to do something
1: and i will say this is another anecdote from from me is uh It was like a few weeks ago. So I'm in my home studio right now. I I live with a guy, and we like do some co-writes together. And the other day, my drum mics were not set up, and he's like, "Just put something down, because I want to. I want to. I have an idea in this tempo. Can you just go in the room? They we literally set up like an SM57 on the floor, and he's like, "Dude, just jam at like 140 for like three minutes." And I just jammed. And so we went in there, and I did it. And we came back in the control room. He was playing it, and I was just like, you know, self just self-doubt like I hate everything I just did I feel so bad I just I don't like the feel and whatever went on with my life two weeks later I come downstairs he's working on that song I forgot what the song was and he was still using my drum loops and I was like oh which which uh, addictive drummer pack is that that sounds rad (laughs) and he's like dude that's you Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was one of those like the second that I didn't associate it with my playing I was like oh I like that's a cool feel
0: no, it's great when you sneak up on yourself and you hear something and you're like, oh, that's cool.
1: Um, okay, so I think you, so you just went. Is it my turn? Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go myxo, uh, yeah, myxomatosis. My, myxomatosis. Off myxomatosis. Off myxomatosis. My choice is myxomatosis. I did not just say that twice. Um, off Hail to the Thief. Uh, so that one is cool because... The song's in 4-4, four, four, but the drum beat implies that it's not. Because the first time I heard it, it's like, okay, well, what, what, what's going on here? Obviously, it's Radiohead, so it could be weird for the sake of being weird. And then you listen to the, that synth part, and the synth part is just a loop, you know, is in 4-4. Four, four. And it was it almost made me want to go back in their catalog and be like, how many songs do I think are weird, but they're just Phil kind of dancing around the beat? <laughs> um, this one is kind of the more, the be- it's the best example yeah. of that. Yeah, just for a drummer to imply this weird disorienting feel on top of a song that other drummers might just do something a lot more simple, but that's what makes Phil's instincts great.
0: Yeah, this is another one of those where like it's hard to tell if they chopped him up and then because they they play this on from the basement as well mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like he's doing a Great impersonation of that performance. So it's hard to say like which came first and so they edit it and then he learned that Is that what he played and then he plays it live? Um, mm-hmm. That beats great because it starts with a snare on the one you know it's almost uh it's almost like faux reggaeton or something there's there's like but there's moments where there's like kind of two sets and they bounce off each other Um,
1: that's what i was going to say is like that's another sometimes i think it's it's not uh composed and sometimes with that as an example when he brings in that double he's echoing himself and so there has to be he's cognizant of what he's doing because he's kind of going back. I mean, there's times when he's matching up and sometimes it's really cool syncopation. So I think he knew when he was doing it. But sorry to interrupt. I just No, you know. no,
0: it's 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 yeah, it's a great song. I I I would I would also recommend checking out the version of them playing it live because there's a, it's 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 kind of one long phrase that the whole mm-hmm. band is playing but like on synths and guitar and and um yeah, it's really cool
1: just real quick with that song it's um the snare parts kind of follow tom's vocals and then sometimes they don't but when but when they get to the chorus he really does i mean phil in general doesn't bring it up for choruses it's not like right. in rock music you're like oh i gotta open the hi-hat or go to a you know switch to the ride symbol he just knows how to make choices that you're like okay this is yeah it
0: the song is kind of one level Mm-hmm. and then they just pull things out and that's i feel, i mean well yeah i was going to say something really stupid like some of their songs do that and some of them don't um
1: that was kind of stupid and kind of not
0: i really like the drum beat on where i end and you begin and the version that got me really pumped on i knew this i knew that i knew the uh recorded version from hail to the thief but seeing him play it live on From the Basement, um, he's playing this beat where his left hand is on his second snare, and the second snare, it sounds like the the snares are off, so it has that kind of timbali feel. So mm-hmm. he's kind of doing, he's almost doing a double, like, it's almost like if you're playing a beat with two hands in your hi-hat, like 16th notes. But then if you take your left hand and put it on, the second snare, which has this tambale fa- sound. So w- the, what that gives you is this kind of almost, this rolling, almost conga percussion part. And I think when I heard it, I didn't really think twice that it was him playing it all at once. But when you see him play, you're like, oh, that's like, he, he's not playing the hardest beat in the world. But because he's breaking up between his hi hat, side timbali, and snare, it ends up having this kind of, like you said earlier, like it's almost like faux Latin pop beat. And um, just seeing him play it, like, was it was one of those, like, oh, you're allowed to do that? You're allowed to have one hand on this second side drum and. It was just kind of like an obvious like oh you can obviously do whatever you want but it was um i just had never thought about playing a beat like that and it's great and i think you should insert the song now
1: So what's cool about that is the actual the, the album version, it's not a timbali. It's kind of a, it is a snare. He's doing a doom do but on the on the from the basement version, the snares are off on that side snare. You are correct. Oh
0: really? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 one of those songs where like once I saw him playing it, I just assumed that's what he was doing on the like I just I didn't think too much of the drum part until I saw him doing it. And I was like, Oh, that just Know, it's, it speaks to me in a in a great way. This could be just
1: just me because I have so much respect for Radiohead as like always kind of being on the the forefront of what music is doing that I always assume the drum parts are harder than they are. And the cool thing about seeing them live, especially the from the basement, is it's it it makes it less intimidating because you see what he's doing sometimes and you're like, oh, this sounds so rad and so timeless, but he's actually doing something very simple and that's kind of my takeaway is that it's always fun to see what a drummer's actually doing right because it's like it's not not that it's not hard and that's it's, i mean to make those choices that's the hard part execution is a, is a whole set, you know separate thing
0: i think it took me a while to like appreciate that it's i think a, a lot of it has to do with just maturing as a drummer or a musician just um if you change any of those drum parts it just wouldn't be the same song
1: I know I said All I Need is one of my favorite po- songs of all time, but this one, intro-wise, is probably top two for me. And it's Reckoner uh, from In Rainbows. Um, and that whole record is very tight uh, sonically. Um, but this, I mean, if you want to find the best version of reverb, that song is like my, my north star of like, this is what sounds so good and so powerful. The cool thing about this one, too, is we were talking about you know what i've been practicing lately i've been practicing a lot of like motown a lot of um muscle shoals kind of stuff from the 60s and 70s and the drums are always panned or a lot of the times they're panned all the way to the right so for this song specifically the main the main drum part that's all the way to the right and then that's like a shaker that tom i'm assuming tom's doing it might even be during his actual vocal take because a lot of times there's some bleed I also will say, going into like the second verse, it's at a it's it's at a minute twenty eight, but it's kind of the it's the second time they go through the A section. The production just changes randomly. They just switch to a different mic. He's still doing the same beat. I always wondered um, it's, about it's, that. It's,
0: if it was like they they flip the phase or like they bring another yeah. It's um because definitely when you hear the recording of this, it definitely to me sounds like they picked maybe they made some loops or there's the kind of like main part that kind of seems to repeat, but then it, like you said, it kind of, it varies, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like it varies. Uh, Everything is very intentional sounding. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And you and I were texting about this song the other night because when this song came out, they actually put all the stems, on the internet and let people remix it. And I had just been getting into Ableton Live, so I downloaded uh, I downloaded all the stems and made like a remix mm-hmm. with mostly just his vocals and made some other music. And what was really interesting about the, the vocal stem of that song, there's so much tambourine bleed, which means like mm-hmm. whatever he was listening to was so loud that the microphones picked it up. Um, I don't know if that means he was playing the i i kind of doubt he was recording the tambourine when he sang but um when you listen to the drum stem of the song it definitely kind of it's definitely not like a performance there's definitely choices of we're going to repeat this four or eight bars and then bring in something else but then you watch him play it live and it still has that same feeling which yeah. goes to show that they would get very specific about something, but it wasn't because they couldn't do it. It wasn't, um, it wasn't looping for the sake of like, oh, like our drummer's not good. It was always an artistic choice. But the second you see them play it live, it's just as good because they're essentially like finding moments that their band members are creating. And so they're just kind of, it's all choices. It just goes back mm-hmm. to what we were saying. It's just choices, and it's not um, it's not editing in the sake for the sake of just doing it bec- to make it. It's not like, oh, we're going to edit this because we want to make it perfect. It's sure. like we really like these four or eight bars that he played, but when you see it live, it's going to have that same feel because they're just capturing his energy, right? mm hmm uh, I think I'm kind of out of songs uh the the only other song I was gonna say is also from in rainbows is the song body snatchers mm, okay and uh, I just really I mean I, I keep talking about it but the uh, from the basement version I keep going back to saying oh that was the performance where I was like this guy this guy gets it like this guy's doing really cool stuff um, but like this song body snatchers uh, weird fishes very kind of um iconic drum beat at the beginning like both both those songs had this kind of it's almost like a punk beat it's a faster beat and um but it's it's light it's not like heavy it's like if i played either of these songs i would probably like go like a little like queens of the stone age with it like you know they both have that kind of like Two and four rock thing, but there's something about it where it 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 feels more like art It's almost like uh, it feels more like an art music like not art music, but (laughs) No, there's just like this. There's like a very literal like I am playing to get like I am playing a rock beat But it doesn't rock Maybe that's like slightly an insult, but it's also the perfect feel for the songs Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like it goes back to like no ego, no like macho-ness, just kind of this kind of wavelength, just like straight ahead, which is really cool. It, it kind of, um, it, op- it just opened my ears like, oh, you could play that, you could play a faster two and four beat, but it doesn't have to like feel dangerous. It can feel kind of chill coming up I was into like i was very inspired by punk rock and i was in punk bands so like if i played either of those songs it would just be like so much more like did you get it you know like and there's none of that it, it it almost sounds more like drum and bass where you sped up something that was played very lightly you know like all those mm-hmm. like famous like drum and bass breaks they kind of took like James Brown era funk beats and just sped them up. This kind of has that sound to it, but he's playing it. And um, yeah. I do have one more, and then I'm just going to quickly
1: say all my cool. uh, honorable mentions. You talked about the live record called I Might Be Wrong. This is, I chose this one specifically for you because the record version of I Might Be Wrong off Amnesiac is uh, the most Gunner beat that I can think of. Ooh yeah let me I would I would feel that you would you would actually play this song the way if if someone sent you this I think you would actually do it this way
0: To give a shout out To the guitarist Of my band Mother Feather Chris Foley We have a lot of songs That tune down to D And whenever he tunes Down to D At rehearsal He always plays This riff For like two seconds <laughs> And so we, It's like a country riff It's such a weird yeah, It's like It's a, like twangy So yeah. like he always like yeah. tunes down And, and I just kind of like Jump in And then The band's like Can we play our real music And then that's one of those beats that I feel like every drummer can play, but you will also be immediately revealed that you suck. Like it's <laughs> it's like it's not it's it's a beat that we can all comprehend pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if I had to play that beat for three minutes, it would I would be like, can we just loop that? Because it's so <laughs> yeah. it's it's not like <laughs> hey guys, there's just there's something about that kind of beat it's really hard to play super consistently for a whole song and Mm -hmm. yeah i like it's and it goes back to the who knows what we're hearing on those records but he definitely plays it live i've definitely seen them play that song live um yeah it's like it's like disco uh but not uh disco funk
1: yeah disco on acid maybe maybe So the last two, there's Lotus Flower, which is off King of Limbs. That's good. Um, And uh, his bass drum, you referenced this earlier, is so behind the beat when he does like the eighth notes, and that's that's probably one of the best examples of him playing an organic song that sounds like a drum machine. That Uh, one's weird. Yeah, it's
0: it's 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 like. I think there's two drummer it or there two there's two takes on that song i know they've definitely played that live when clive is playing second drums with them mm. and i've seen some video of that and that's really cool because it, he kind of does the second part the like the more yes yes it's it i don't know if they're delaying it or if they just took the same beat and displaced it we'll never know it's um that's a great song that's a really cool song
1: My next one and last one is, uh, is Separator, also off King of Limbs. And that one actually sounds like it should have been on In Rainbows. If you said that those were from the In Rainbows sessions drum-wise, I'd believe you because it sounds the exact same. I believe it's the last song off King of Limbs.
0: It sounds like they. Uh, my first thought when I hear this is, it sounds like they took a drum beat and sped it up. Like his high, it, it almost sounds like he's playing like splash cymbals as hi hats.
1: Did we choose any from Pablo Honey or OK Computer? I don't think we did. We didn't. We didn't pick any uh, Kid A either, which is interesting.
0: I mean, it, yeah. I mean, those songs. For me, it just feels like those songs are a little more obvious. And maybe um, I'm looking. Okay, computer. I mean, there's yeah, there's great songs on here. I mean, there's probably more of him playing on these songs than all the records we talked about. You know, it's probably more of him. (laughs) Um, Gunnar, um, what's
1: what's your Instagram? Why don't you talk about how people can find you?
0: (laughs) It's at Fun Buns. At oh, sorry, no, it's at Gun Buns. G U N B U N S.
1: All right, Gunner. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, cheers, man.
0: Hey, good luck with you. You know, on next week's uh, podcast, uh, I I can't wait to show you guys what I have in store on my podcast that this is now. And um, (laughs) it's going to be primarily uh, the snare and Tom sounds of Alex Van Halen. And uh, we really look forward to having you back.
1: Yeah, guys, tell me how that episode goes because I will not be listening to that one. So uh, but uh I'll I'll talk to you later, Gunner.
0: All right,
1: bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> and that's the show. Be sure to check out bigfatsnare and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at bigfatsnaredrum. Drum. The audio you're hearing was edited in part by Isotope RX8 Audio Editor, so go check that out at isotope.com. Cheers.